You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste with me, Sharon Noonan. On the last show of April 2017, I have a lovely lineup of guests for you tonight. Our first guest is Rosemary Bennis from Sona's Health Food Shop in Newcastle West. I called to see Rosemary recently to have a chat about spring cleaning. That's our bodies. After we hear that, we'll be Skyping Keith Mahan from the award-winning online food and drink magazine, thetaste.ie. Keith recently topped the Murray Tweet Index as Ireland's number one food and drink journalist, so I'm looking forward to congratulating him on that. We've heard recently about the Bank of Ireland food series that takes place monthly in the Bank of Ireland workbench on O'Connell Street in Limerick. And tomorrow night, that's Wednesday the 26th of April, the focus is on our growing sector of Irish craft breweries and distilleries. So who better to talk to than Stephen Cunneen from Treaty Brewing in Limerick. And speaking of events, there's lots on this week and over the bank holiday weekend. So we'll find out more about those towards the end of the programme and in particular Riverfest Limerick with Laura Ryan, Head of Communications and Marketing with Limerick City and County Council. If you would like to get in touch with me, please drop me an email to s.noonan at live.ie or you can tweet me at Queen of Org as in Queen of Organisation. So let's hear our first guest of the evening. It's Rosemary Bennis from Sonus Health Food Shop and we're talking about spring cleaning. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Rosemary, we're going to talk about spring cleaning. Very good. The perfect time of the year. Tell us what hints and tips you have for us here in the store that can be of a big help to us. Okay, so now because the days are longer, it's getting warmer, and the kind of energy, the sap is rising, shall we say, in nature and in ourselves as well. We're feeling hopefully a bit more enthusiastic about life and looking to spend a bit more time outdoors. So if you're feeling a bit sluggish or just want, just think, you know, I've had a a lot of time inside and a lot of kind of comfort eating. Now is a good time to give your system just a little refresh. Like just, it is important to say that every night we detox naturally, our body detoxes. If we give it rest, if we give it some water, a few basic raw materials, it'll do the job for us. But things that help it will be a classic one and a lot of people will know will be nettles. It's a really good time to have nettles. You can literally go and pick nettle tops, the tops specifically, from a field or from a byway where there's no traffic passing, no pollution on it and um, make an infusion, just a herbal tea, literally pop a few a few heads into a cup or a teapot, put some boiling water, make a tea, let that infuse and have a couple of cups a day. Now tell me about nettle tops, is that the leaves, the ones that sting you or what part of the nettle yeah, is yeah, that? Yeah, it's the ones that sting you, so they're the, they have a little purple tinge when they're fresh young nettles, there's a little purple hue to them, but they, they almost glisten with that stingy bit, so put on your marigolds and, um, and the snippers, scissors will do fine and just snip them into a bag and aim to have about three cups a day um, and let that brew nicely it's actually a lovely infusion it tastes really nice obviously it doesn't doesn't sting your mouth or anything and if you want put lemon in it put a chamomile tea in it add another tea to make it more palatable um, and aim for that and you can use it in food as well you can like throw it into a soup or a stew but the infusion like that where you let its properties come out is really good um, and that's cheap and cheerful. If you don't want to do that, you can buy tea bags. We sell them here, or drops. We have in a, um, a tincture, herbal extract, which is a bit more potent. Um, very helpful for any acidic condition, which is basically underlines every underlies every sort of modern ailment, really. So any inflammatory condition. 
anything where our flow of um, waste, so we say, say so our lymph and our, our um, if we're withholding fluid for good urinary flow, helping kidneys, helping liver, kid, um, nettle's really helpful. So, and also it's a classic remedy for arthritis actually. There was a bit of a folk cure about rubbing it on and making a poultice. I'm not too sure about that, but definitely um, the, the anti-acid element of it can help reduce inflammation. So it's a huge cleansing yeah. product. Yeah, and a blood builder as well, I should say. Very, nettles are really nice. Got a nice, gentle source of iron. I mean, I couldn't say in terms of what amount. It's in, in exact science. But you can get an extract, a herbal extract. Um, and it is good for someone who would tend to be the anemic side. Or just if their blood wasn't... There's a sense... You know, you have a it's, it's an older way of looking at it, more like a physician's way of looking at health. But if your blood is good, you know, everything's oxygenated. It, it's like the, the traffic flow is good in your system. So nettle is a really good blood helper a blood purifier blood cleanser and enricher so if you've been a bit sick a bit thrown down if you've had a kind of repeat infection over the winter and you just don't feel at your full self and you're getting back into kind of putting your nose outside uh, um, a tonic of net it's truly a tonic actually it's it's not so much that it's gonna you know raise you up like red bull it's not gonna do that but it's truly a tonic in the old-fashioned sense so very good generic gentle um, easily tolerated tonic. And what we're hearing more and more about these days is going back to these old wise traditions and another product that you have here that would date back many centuries I'm sure is the apple cider vinegar. Yeah absolutely I mean I yeah the origin of it is way back and it's just it's the most amazing product there are so many uses for it it's cheap as chips it's locally available now there's a local um, producer in Ballyhara where they have their orchards and they are known for their apple juice and then apple products but now they're producing cider vinegar which basically all they do is they ferment the apple juice and it turns into vinegar and um, they're one uh, like the ones we stock here aren't pasteurized they're not filtered they're nothing added nothing taken away um, again like the nettle it's it's alkalizing so it means it means that it, it it's the opposite to the acidity which is the bean basically is the byproduct of a lot of a modern Western diet, a very processed diet. It's very acidic. Cider vinegar is alkalizing. Really helpful for digestion. It enhances your stomach acid. So a lot of people would have reduced stomach acid and therefore the digestion is poor. Um, and that leads to a host of problems. So cider vinegar is a natural digestive aid. It's a cleanser. In the same way, I liken it to like the way you'd use vinegar to degrease a window or to put on a bit on a newspaper and get a buff up a shine in a window. It does the same thing inside. It breaks down fat. Um, it helps to, very helpful for people with like fatty deposits, which would be cholesterol, for example, gallbladder issues, trouble breaking down fats. It's really helpful. Um, also, it helps enhance our utilization of minerals. So that's really good. It's a, it's a real women's remedy because um, if you're concerned about your bone density and you're taking, you know, you're eating well and you're conscious of your mineral intake, calcium, or sorry, um, cider vinegar actually helps you utilize your minerals. Um, so it's a really good aid on a lot of levels. Um, it's a refresher. It's really refreshing. Very, um, very good for sports people who are doing. People, a lot of people do like long distance cycling, running, all sorts of things. A dash of cider vinegar in your water is a natural electrolyte drink because it's rich in calcium, magnesium. Um, so helpful for muscle recovery. Um, breaks down lactic acid. So, you know, there's, there's endless uses for it, um, as well as household. Like you can bathe in it. You know, a dilution of it. Very helpful in shampoo to relieve dry scalp dandruff. Um, people use a little dilution to spritz on the face um, for acne because it balances pH which is important for skin conditions so like there's loads you know if you ask Captain Google 
there's so much on cider vinegar or ask us as well <laughs> you said there about putting it into your water and sometimes mm. people find it quite difficult to get something like that into their diet but there are so many different ways that you can yeah. get it in by adding mm. it to water to teas salad dressings Absolutely. is the way that I personally use yeah. it salad dressings I would nearly my default vinegar for salad dressings is cider vinegar I know the flavoured vinegars and the different ones from a chef's perspective have different flavours but I just always come back to the cider vinegars is actually really going to help you digest your food so also for a marinade so later on in the year when it comes to barbecue time if you're marinating some meat put a dash of cider vinegar, vinegar in there really really helps it really, really help break down the fibres and that helps you digest your food better okay fantastic yeah. anything yeah. else here that helps with food digestion I guess the cider, the, the, the bicar- good old bicarb soda, which is baking powder, or um, bread soda rather, um, this is a very, it's a natural, it's a natural antacid. I'm not saying use it all the time, but it, a little bit will produce a burp. <laughs> so oh, really yeah okay. a little bit will produce the burp so you just put a small bit a little quarter teaspoon or less into a glass of water and you can try it um, for relief a lot of people do that Some, a lot of people I would know people who would just have a little pinch in, in a glass of water every day just like a pinch of salt um, and again because it's alkalizing it actually has it's coming the, 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 the three of those that the cider vinegar and the nettle and the, cider, and the bread soda are all in the alkalizing family which is it's a total tonic from our modern Western diet. Um, so you can soak your feet in um, a bread soda. You can add it to a bath. Very helpful for irritating skin conditions. Helpful for swollen joints and the feet especially. Um, it it's just calms acidity. So if you feel it in your tummy or your joints. I suppose at the shop here what we would find is that everything is linked. We're not just separate departments. So very often if your digestion is poor, you might find you might be inclined to hold acidity in your joints as well. So that's the crossover there. So it's a cheap and simple little remedy. I'm not saying to horse loads in, in don't, but um, a little pinch every so often actually is a, is a helpful antacid or... Um, you know to use it as a, as a as a bathing product as well and of course it's something that you can have in your cupboard that you can use for lots of other uh, like for baking and things like that absolutely well. yeah yeah no absolutely it 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 has a magic effect with um with with buttermilk and milk and yogurt and that's what makes your bread rise um, but also it's a great remedy for it's kind of like a bit of a natural gif at home so this is where all these products can be used internally and also in your house as well some people mightn't want to go there but there's an application for both so a little bit of bread soda gives you that kind of scrubbing power um, that and squeeze a lemon maybe some a dash of cider vinegar mix it up in a bottle and you've got like a household cleaning solution and you can fragrance it with an essential oil and it's cheap and cheerful and really kind on your skin especially if people are sensitive and they're sensitive to cleaning products which can be quite harsh um, it's bread soda cider vinegar lemon juice they're just they're easy to work with and effective actually and you don't have to buy the fresh lemons you can buy the lemon juice in a bottle yeah you can it's just handy Some people, a, lot of, a lot of people maybe even after Pancake Tuesday would have a bottle of lemon juice and shove that in as well you know it's another degreaser basically your lemon juices so um, yeah they're very, they're very effective a bit of elbow grease and away you go we talked earlier in the year about detoxing the liver and one of the things that came up then was milk thistle tablets and you have complex well, these are tablets I thought these yeah. were drops okay yeah oh you have drops and there we have as drops well. too okay. yeah okay. and the, this particular brand just combines artichoke with the milk thistle the two together globe artichoke which is a real has a real affinity for liver and breaking down fat so it's a very helpful one for cholesterol issues sometimes people it mightn't necessarily be linked to diet at all it might be just how your liver is processing internally um, and artichoke is a really good liver tonic along with milk thistle so 
as I was saying, every night our system recharges, cleanses, reboots for the next day. But milk thistle is a really gentle and lovely herb for the liver. It helps to regenerate liver cells and helps the liver do its job better. So if you've had, you know, a bit of medication over the winter or heavier diet or you know that you haven't been so great at drinking your water, um, milk thistles, you can just do it for a month, take a tablet morning and evening and obviously check with your pharmacist for any drug interactions. Uh, but it's a very gentle, easy tonic and great for sluggishness, particularly digestive sluggishness. You will really feel a difference. Because if you're on, is what sort of is it Lipitor or something like that that you shouldn't take the milk thistle? Am I right in that? Well, specifically, I wouldn't. But we our protocol would always be refer to your pharmacist or okay. GP, your prescriber, basically with any medication. And if they okay, that's fine. So you have to always go with your prescriber first. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, anything else there that you want to tell us about? Is well, this, yeah. This, this actually, this is something we have. There's just a, a, a promotion on it at the moment, but it's a natural inhaler, which is interesting. It's called the salt pipe. A lot of people are more familiar now with Himalayan rock salt, which is a really beautiful seasoning. It's a really mineral-rich, lovely salt. It's the pink salt, so you can use that in your food, and it really enhances the taste. You're also getting micro trace amounts of minerals. They're not bleached out of it. Um, so much better for you than table salt. Absolutely, yeah. I would ditch the table salt. I think the day is gone for table salt, and we've no, there's no excuse anymore. So, you know, good salt is cheap. I mean, table salt is really cheap, but good salt is not expensive. And we've got several producers of sea salt. That's maybe a conversation for another day um, in Ireland now. Um, and then the Himalayan rock salt. Basically, they're the same source. They just would have been submerged under the water years ago, and now they're above water. Um, but that salt uh, also is in this one. It's incorporated into a ceramic pipe that you breathe through, and it has a natural affinity for loosening um, particles of congestion in the lungs. So very helpful for sinus, any respiratory ailments, um, even rhinitis. You know, the upper respiratory tract um, irritations, um, all the way to asthma and bronchial infection. It helps to loosen a cough. It helps to clear irritation and the, the salt as well has a, has a sort of, um, it, it soothes the mucilage, the lining of the, of the bronchioles. So it's a really effective little remedy and um, we find people find it really helpful. Obviously again you consult with your prescriber but it can be used alongside um, conventional treatments because it's, it's so safe, you know. So if you're a bit phlegmy, yeah. it's a good thing to take. Exactly. If you're a bit phlegmy or you find you have you have congestion but can't clear it and it's lingering, this is a, it's a really helpful remedy. Yeah, and it's very, very easy to use. You, you breathe through it for about 20 minutes a day. That's the idea. Okay. Yeah. So do you, is that an intensive 20 minutes or is it a couple of minutes here and there? You could break it up. You could break it up. I usually say to people, you, you must do a minimum of 20 minutes a day. You can do more. So I usually say to people, try 10 minutes maybe when you sit up in the morning, 10 minutes when you're watching in the news 10 minutes when you're you know even sit just sitting really and um, it's a natural breath through it's not an inhaler type breath and um, yeah, I would do minimum 10 minutes at a time and you could do do that twice or three times in the day okay mm. all right great as always to talk to you we'll have to start spring cleaning I know inside ourselves <laughs> and, and the houses as well maybe start with ourselves it's easier. I think so and then we'll be in better form for the outside <laughs> thanks Sharon. thanks so much Rosemary You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM.
Welcome back to the best possible taste with me, Sharon Noonan. Just before the break, I was in Sona's health food shop where proprietor Rosemary Bennis had lots of advice for spring cleaning our bodies. And if you're just tuning in to tonight's show, you can catch the full show later in the week on the podcast on SharonNoonan.com or have a look for it there on iTunes to download free of charge. And you can also listen to it using the podcast app. Still to come tonight, we're going to be finding out about some upcoming events, including the Bank of Ireland Food Series event taking place tomorrow night in Limerick. The focus is on our growing sector of Irish craft breweries and distilleries. And Stephen Conneen from Treaty City Brewery is one of the participants and we'll be talking to him shortly. Next, though, we're going to find out what it's like to be hailed as the top food and drink journalist in Ireland. Congratulations go out to Keith Mahan from the Taste.ie who joins us via Skype now. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. Keith, great to have you on the programme today and I must congratulate you on your most recent award. You've topped the Murray Tweet Index as Ireland's number one food and drink journalist. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, we were pretty surprised in the office because I suppose if you look back at the Murray Index, it traditionally has been dominated by journalists in the print media. So it's great that, you know, online media uh, is getting recognised. It's great. And of course, you are in good company with the print media journalistic. Gillian Nealis is there, Mary Claire Digby, Tom Durley and Lucinda O'Sullivan, who would be very well known to anybody that has any sort of interest in the food industry in Ireland. Yeah, amazing writers, um, uh, really nice people. We we meet an awful lot of them at the various different events that go on throughout the year. So, yeah, great, great company. And, um, you know, I read their work every week. So, you know, um, uh, very honoured to, to be part of that list. Well, as you say there, it's great for digital to be recognised. And this is not the first award that the Taste has got because of being an online product. Yeah, um, yeah, last May we we got a bit of a shock. Well, I suppose we we got a surprise in um, uh, in February of last year. We got a call from uh, a gourmand uh, council, um, and they said that the taste had been shortlisted from all of the magazines in the world that were online. Uh, we were in the top 100 and I sort of, I said it to the team, but we sort of forgot about it. And then in March we got a call and we had been shortlisted to the top three in the world. We were against um, a magazine called Chef Stirring in America and another one in Spain. And then uh, a huge surprise at the end of May, we got a call saying that we had won. So it was amazing. And that award is based in China. It is now. It's, it, it's a French award, uh, but what they do is they try to move around uh, different countries to sort of, you know, show that it is truly a global award. Um, so uh, the year before was in France, and I think next year it's going to be in Germany. But the year that we won it, it was in China. Yeah. It is an online magazine and it's very diverse in the content. Just describe it to somebody that maybe hasn't come across it. Yeah, I suppose when we started it off, it was to be a high-end luxury magazine that, you know, the best places to go, the best places to stay. And then it just sort of evolved. Um, It was meant to be just a monthly edition. And now we find that the appetite for news is on a daily basis. Our team 
like myself and Jules would have started out and we would have been on our own for probably the first four or five months. But now we've got seven in the office and we've got six contract riders outside the office. So it's growing at a huge rate. Um, and I suppose to describe what people would get when they go onto the magazine is we would have reviews of restaurants. We'd have interviews with chefs. We'd have delicious recipes, amazing competitions. We'd have features on maybe drink trends or you know, uh, what sort of hot and happening at the moment in the industry. And I suppose what makes it different, if you open up a newspaper and say the Irish Independent, they may have three or four pages dedicated to food. They have to pick the articles that are going to appeal to everybody. But with the taste, because our readership is now over 6 million worldwide and 1.7 million in Ireland, we can write articles that are a little bit more niche because we have an audience for everything really uh, and I think that's what sort of sets it apart. And because it's online then it's not disappearing after a week it's there for for the duration. Yeah it's great uh, and, and it's great when you see when you look at the the traffic that comes to the site and the readers you know you're right in what you say it's people come back and they'll read an article that we may have written four, five, six months ago, but it's still fresh and, and it's, uh, they can still enjoy it, whereas print has that challenge. You also have um, content, it's called Taste Experiences. Just tell us what that is exactly. Yeah, so uh, I suppose what we wanted to do was treat the readers, you know. Um, so if they come and, and they give us their time, 10 minutes of their time and their coffee break, can we find the best experiences across Ireland or further afield? Uh, so we would have, like, you know, right now we have a Michelin star restaurant, La Cravan in Dublin. Uh, so Chef is Derry Clark there. His tasting menu would normally be 175 euro plus, and we have it on the taste for, I think it's 80 euro. So, you know, it's a great way of sort of experiencing these new places. They're not all Michelin star. Some of them are just really really good hidden gems that we found around Ireland and right now you'd have probably a 70 taste experiences on the site maybe 20 of them are to do with hotels and the rest are to do with restaurants and so forth. You mentioned hidden gems around Ireland and this is a project that you and Jules are very much involved in at the moment with BMW. Yeah we did a partnership last week. Uh, we launched it last Wednesday, which uh, we're after getting amazing feedback. So what we want to try and do is we want to move faster as a team. We want to get to more places in Ireland. Uh, we already write probably 120 new pieces of content every single month about different restaurants opening up or, or food trends or whatever. But with the backing of BMW, we want to actually find these hidden gems and write their stories and, and bring them to the public a little bit faster. And we have a competition and the competition is, is an amazing prize, dine free for a year. And all you have to do is go on to Twitter and tell us what restaurant we should visit next on our BMW taste tour. So you're going to be extremely busy over the coming months by the signs of it. Yeah, even just last weekend, we, we visited uh, eight places over two days. So it's quite intense. 
but uh, it's great because you know the best thing about the food industry really is the people that you get to meet and how passionate they are and everybody has a different story um, and you know I suppose like you know if I look back over the last year the sort of people that I have met that have made a last impression on me would be like say Noel McMeal in, in Loch Erne he he walks around the dining room and he makes everybody's evening. Um, and anyone who's ever met him would know what I'm talking about. But that's the best part of, of what we do. You mentioned Jules quite a lot there and we should highlight that Jules is your your better half, will we say? Definitely your other half. And whenever the two of you started The Taste back in 2014, because it is still a very young company, what was your vision for it? Did you imagine that it was going to be as successful as it has been? Not really, because we were sort of looking at it like this. We were looking at a couple of print magazines and we were looking at the circulation they had. So, you know, like some of them had maybe 10,000, some of them had 20,000. And we were sort of thinking to ourselves, if we can make a magazine, it may not be for everyone, but if we can get about 40 to 50,000 people in all of Ireland to read it, you know, we might have something. But um, it just exploded. Um, even after the first couple of months, we were well over 100,000 readers at that stage. And I think a lot of it is to do with um, social media, like the likes of Twitter and Facebook. People are so generous with their time. Uh, Ireland really is a very, very supportive country uh, in terms of companies starting up. And, you know, people gave so much of their time to help us over the last two and a half years. And we tried to give back. Um, we're always online. You know, this is not a job. And I think that's what's different between us and maybe some of our competitors. We don't turn off at half five. We're online till probably midnight. We're trying to attend as many events as possible. Um, and we're really, we're really living this. Um, and we're lucky that our three kids have grown up now at this stage that we can do it. You're both very passionate about it. It's very obvious just from listening to you that it's something that you love doing. It is. And, and to be honest, it wouldn't have worked if either one of us had done it on their own. Uh, I think it works because, you know, we are a couple and in, in some cases, you know, that can cause arguments during the day. There's no couple in, in Ireland that don't argue. But on the flip side, the ability to, uh, you know, jump in the car and head off to these hotels or restaurants or cafes or markets and and spend the time there uh, it just wouldn't have worked if we hadn't have done it together and tell us a bit about your own background it is an IET digital background that you had before you started up your own business yeah I suppose like originally in 1992 it was all technical I you know I was in AIB at one stage right in AIB 24-hour banking um, and it wasn't until about 2003 I met a, a guy called Liam Young and he had a company called 11850. And he sort of said, look, Keith, I don't want you to do any more technical work. I want you to manage a new brand that I've, that I've come up with, which is 118118, the two guys with the funny mustaches over in the UK. 
and it was a directory service company and really he he gave me a, a very large budget which I, I didn't really know what I was doing with at the time but I learned on the job and I, I was doing marketing and I was doing sales and I was doing everything that a managing director should do and then I suppose after doing that for uh, three, four years, we sold the company and I moved into my home that I eat and had success with my home that I and hopped in then to be the managing director of digital works for the Irish Times. So, yeah, I still have a technical background, but it's it's more business now. And do you find that you don't use it as much now or do you find that people in your team would come and ask you for advice about how to do things the right way or the best way? I think, it, it, you know, definitely in the beginning of the taste, it, it allowed us to keep our costs down to, to a minimum because obviously I, I wrote the site, I did all the graphic design, I, I set up all the social media and so forth and all that. But now we have a fantastic team outside and they take all that off me, uh, which is amazing. So that we, we have more time to actually visit the people that matter and the story and unearth the stories that, you know, the readers want to read. And talking about the site then, like we've mentioned a lot about the different types of content that are there from the reviews, from the taste experiences that people can buy. And then, of course, the competitions. And we've been talking a bit about the BMW competition. Will we see the taste BMW vehicle in Limerick? Oh, absolutely. Um, we have a have a new girl uh, just joined this week uh, called Denise Flynn, and you know anyone who's listening, Denise will be ringing and organising dates and times for us to drop into every single county. So if she hasn't been on to you yet, she will be in the in the next coming weeks. And um, what we're trying to do is we're trying to be very clever with our time and sort of you know develop a route. So you know obviously. We'll try and do as many places in Limerick as we possibly can and then head on to maybe Clare and then on down to Cork and so forth. Um, but yeah, we're coming. Fantastic. Well, we look forward to welcoming you to this neck of the woods. Continued success with the TS.ie. It's something that I really enjoy visiting on a regular basis. And um, say hello to Jules for us. Absolutely, yeah. Thanks for having me on. And if anyone needs any more information, just visit the Taste Fantastic. Thanks, Keith. Thanks a lot. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste with me, Sharon Noonan. So far on the show tonight, Rosemary Bennis has provided us with spring cleaning for the body and soul inspiration. And just before the break, we were talking to Keith Mahan about lots of things, including a competition to dine out free for a year. So get tweeting the details of the places in Limerick that Keith should visit. If you're just tuning in to tonight's show, you can catch the full show later in the week on the podcast, which is on SharonNoonan.com or have a look for it on iTunes to download free of charge and you can also listen to it using the podcast app. It's time for the final interview of the evening and it's in anticipation of the Bank of Ireland Food Series event which is taking place tomorrow night in the Bank of Ireland workbench space in Limerick City. The focus is our growing sector of Irish craft breweries and distilleries so who better to talk to than Stephen Conneen, the founder of Treaty City Brewery. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. 
Stephen, thanks a million for talking to us this evening about Treaty City Brewery. Tell us how it all came about. Um, I suppose uh, I'm I'm an engineer by trade and I was living at the time in Vancouver in Canada um, and I had spent a lot of time visiting different breweries just as a, as a hobby. Um, my people are, are, are farmers here back in town or till a bit of ground and I'd always be like making cheese and making sausages and stuff like that and I think the beer was just a kind of natural progression. Um, so on, as as a hobby, when I was in Vancouver, I go in and out of uh, of different breweries and kind of I ended up helping out in a couple of breweries and then um, from there we started uh, uh, ho- or I started home brewing. Um, we were living in a, a two bedroom de- a two bedroom apartment on a, on the third story and we co- I converted the second bedroom into a little mini brewery. But um, yeah, so I brewed different types of beers and we'd have parties over. Uh, at the house and people come over and taste the beer and stuff and then uh, people really liked it so um yeah when we came back we we, we had my brewery in 2011 my brewery was converted into a nursery <laughs> for my uh, for my firstborn so um at that when 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 Kleena came along uh, we were um we were kind of destined to come back to the to Ireland so uh when I came home I decided you know I I took a couple of contracts a couple of engineering contracts but I always had it in my mind I'd love to go and and try commercially try brew some beer so yeah we've been on the market for about two and a half years now um and it's going very well yeah do you find there's a lot of overlap there between the skills required to to brew beer and the engineering backgrounds that you have there is there is very much um i was a manufacturing engineer by trade i trained in lit um and did a degree course then in ul um and my background was kind of pharmaceuticals and medical device and some high-end electronic stuff with intel and things like that but it's manufacturer is manufacturer, you know, but beer is is slightly different. There's there is the science of it, definitely. Um, and it is a science, but there's also kind of an art. It's like an alchemy, you know, and to get the, the, the recipe formulation. And, you know, there's there's so there, there was a lot of crossover from from a production point of view. Um, it, it's the same. Right. You know, I mean, you're making a product, but um, from from a kind of a brewing point of view, and it's more about the heart and the feel and the artisan you know your artisan approach to how you do it you know so um yeah i i love i love the the combination of the two i love the the mixture of that that science and art i love that's that's where i i kind of excel i hope <laughs> but um yeah there is a good bit of crossover with any business startup there's always going to be substantial costs so for something like brewing beer is there a lot that you need to invest in in terms of equipment there is there is you're talking um it's 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 we see our our brewing capacity is about three thousand liters per brew. Um, uh, we built our plant over a, a four or five month period. CSE there, a local um, a local engineering shop in Galvon. I'm my engineering background. My father is in stainless steel, so we we managed to keep our costs quite low in comparison um, to the size of the brewery that we built and the capacity of brewery we built. We managed to keep the the costs fairly low. Um, but it is a significant any manufacturing, uh, you know, any manufacturing business has huge costs uh, built around it. Unless, like, I, my wife is a software developer. Um, she works for Goal, and you know, she's just does. Uh, you know, she she literally sits at a table with an internet connection and a maybe a high end laptop. But that's the only overhead that that she'll carry. You know that kind of way. Um, whereas if you have to generate, you know, you're generating money from manufacturing. There's, you need to employ people, you know, the, the kit itself is a, a big investment, you know, um, and I think that's where, 
I say that's that's where you know going forward or uh, people getting into the industry or people you know in the industry currently you know that's that's where the, the pinch point is you know that and I suppose cash flow is, is always for a new business right a startup is always the, the key right well you mentioned your father there and him being able yeah. to help you out as well and there actually there's a little story there about a tank that you brought in yeah so it's a, it's a weird one I, I bought we bought um, the, the kettle our brewing kettle our, our kettle and our bright tank which are two um, main points so the kettle is in the hot the hot hot side of the brewery and the the bright beer tank is in the cold side the finishing tank if you will um my father uh worked in Stabrite in the late 80s early 90s making tanks uh stainless steel tanks and we had bought those we had bought tanks second hand um and we retrofitted them with some shell and tubes and stuff um now big 4000 liter tanks they're 316 uh, pharmaceutical grade stainless and when we checked the badges of the tanks, um, the badges of the tanks, we had Tony was working in the brewery or in the in, in Stabright at that time building um, tanks. So uh, we traced numbers back and stuff. So we, we think that Tony actually built those tanks. So they had they had three lives. One was obviously being built and starting up and then they went to a pharmaceutical Merrick in, in Galway and then um, they went to a third party and then they came to us. So it's a great little story to think that that tank started off life in the 80s and now uh, you know destined for pharmaceuticals and now it's brewing beer by the by the son of the man it was built by you know so i I love i love that story it is an amazing story really yeah and if you if you think about all the tanks in ireland i don't know i it's probably a bit mad but if you think about all the stainless steel tanks that are in ireland you know and 20 years later your son is going to go and buy a tank for a, a completely different venture that um that you made 20 years back so I think it's cool and in those tanks now you're brewing lots of different varieties yeah. of your beer what was the first one that you started off with we started with um, Harris Pale Ale uh, which was um, it's a kind of a Pacific Northwest Pale Ale and it's a recipe that I developed while I was living in Canada um, it's it's our flagship if you will um, it's 5% and it's it's a kind of a semi-hoppy beer but we have a lot of kind of we use a predominantly Irish malt so there's like Ireland has the best malt in the world by any standards. Um, so there's a nice caramel backbone to the Harris Pale Ale. But it, with the uh, w- when the brewery came online, um, the new brewery came online last year, um, last April, um, we were able to to diversify. So I, we had a couple of different recipes. We brought first on was uh, Tom and Red Ale, um, and then shortly after that was Shannon River IPA. Um, the IPA is is very popular now. Um, Tom and the same, but the IPA are very popular outside of Limerick. Um, but they're just uh, literally last let's say two weeks ago now we launched our our lager, uh, which we're we're calling Hell's Gate Lager. It's um, a discovery beer, if you will. Sometimes people aren't aren't ale drinkers, and it's hard for people to kind of make that leap. If you're drinking a mass market, you know, very highly filtered, highly highly uh, um, pasteurized beer and if you're making that leap to a, a big round Pacific Northwest Pale Ale it's it's a big leap but um, so what we did was we, we produced um, our lager now it's still full-on it's still a it's still a, a, a independently crafted um, microbrewed lager but um, it's it's a lot more approachable if you're if you're not used to to craft beer if that makes sense where do you get the inspiration for the ingredients that you use and for the different flavors oh great question great question um it do you know what we we have a million different ways we come up with recipes we always have something in the in the the, the brewery here where we're, we're playing around with um at the moment it's actually wheat beers and there there's a limited release coming in, in two or three months time of a wheat beer 
and um, we're doing a porter as well in September. But um, what we do is we we kind of okay. So the for most of the beers we'll sit down and we'll 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 come up with a recipe. So we'll start. And we'll say okay, we want to make a pale ale. And then we'll sit down and we'll say, okay, what kind of pale ale have we got currently? Well, we've none or we have one. Then we'll we'll say, okay, what's the ingredients we use? And do we want to add more, you know, hops into it? Is it a hoppy pale ale? Is it, a, 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 is it more grain, more malty pale ale? You know, and what, what we kind of target to a style. And then what, what I found in the last two beers that we've done is we kind of have our own, we've our own style, if you will, or we've our own, I don't know, our signature, if you will, you know, and it, it just comes out, and I, I see, we, we taste, like, out of 16 beers, we'll do 16 small batches, um, just to, at the start, over, like, there'll be four fours, uh, and then we'll narrow down, yeah, I like that hop, I like that grain, um, and then we'll get down to three, and we'll run those three, and then we'll bring, we've, we've a number of different guys that come in around the town, the guys who will be in the industry, and we kind of know, and some of them are not in the industry, they're just drink, people who like craft beer, or microbrew beer, but um, they'll come in, and they'll taste the beer, and they'll say, yeah, this is good, this is bad, um, and there's obviously a commercial element as well, I mean, I, I love double Russian Imperial Stouts at 12%, but um, they're expensive to make, they're really expensive to make, and they don't sell that much beer, so you have to kind of you know, it's it's this that's the kind of art side of things. You know, it's a kind of a real and an alchemy. But um, the funny story is, uh, we were actually coming up with a we were coming up with a a, a a name for another beer. And usually we'd have a beer and we come up with a name. But with Tom and Red Ale, we actually came across the name Tom and Red Ale. Um, and I I just said that that's that name is too it's too good to pass up. It's too it's too good to pass up a, 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 a name, so we had to build a beer to make uh, Tom and Red Ale, and um, I think it's fantastic beer, it really is. But um, it's full on, it's like Tom and right? I mean, it's like not one star. That's what it it's, it goes right. But um, yeah, we start like we have base ingredients. We based our supply chain management is we picked three or four key suppliers and we stuck with those guys. I mean, Martin Company of Ireland that are based there in Tor and North Cork, they make all our base malts, um, and we have a great relationship with those guys. And they're 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 pumping out fantastic product, just really really high end. So it, it it leans against our brand. That that's the kind of thing we do. So we will start with ingredients that we have in mind. You know what I mean? Well, you've you've explained how the name Tom and Red came about, and the Shannon River name is obvious. But Harris Pale Ale, what's the story with the Harris? Um, after after uh, Dicky Harris, Richard Harris, so Limerick's uh, famous son. Um, it just, it, uh, you know, he he's he was a bit of a maverick, you know. He was a bit left of center, and you know, he didn't. He he was he was brave and bold, you know that kind of way. So um, it just leaned perfectly against, you know, a new microbrew beer in Limerick. You know, it was it was it, it to me it was it was brilliant. You know, it it it, it just matched. But um, yeah, so it's after Richard Harris, and it has all that kind of untamed charisma that that Richard has. Well, hopefully, I think he had. And people might be interested to know that Limerick actually had a long tradition in brewing, but it kind of faded into history. Yes, yes. Um, we're we're just redoing our website actually at the moment, and we're going to have a section on um, the history of brewing in Limerick. There was upwards of seven breweries um, at one point in Limerick City. Um, I mean, every every county, every city, every town around the country had, um, and with the advent and the march of uh, mass market beer. Um, uh, like the big uh, macro breweries in Dublin, um, they slowly bought and closed all of the breweries, um, which meant that you lost a bit of that originality. You know, you lost a bit of that, you, a lot of that originality. You know, when you get one product um, or even a number of products sold by one 
uh, by one uh, company, it, it tends to, you're, you're funneled, you know, you don't get that individuality, you don't get that, that kind of, that, uh, what comes from different people in the market. Um, um, and if you even look at the, the market now, I mean, you're looking at maybe 98, 97.5% of the market is owned by three companies. Um, or has or is taken over by three companies, and then you have about a hundred independently owned, I think, brands, maybe sixty independently owned breweries. I'm not sure what that number is um, in Ireland, and they're they're fighting for two percent, you know. So it's really the the, the craft beer market or the the microbrew market at the moment is very very small. Um, now the outlook is good. Um, if you look at the UK, um, if you look at the US, is somewhere upwards of seventeen percent. Um, uh, in turnover and revenue, so it's there's there's a lot of room for expansion. There's a lot of room, but Ireland is a different test case, so the expansion might be a bit slower, you know. But um, yeah, oh, Limerick definitely has a very very good tradition in brewing, and I'm I'm actually on the lookout for an old Limerick recipe. So if if any of your listeners are out there and have a, a recipe from I don't know from a book or from uh, Matt Tucker's brewery or for Newgate Brewery or you know any of those breweries, if they have a grandfather that worked there or anything. I, I, you come and talk to me. I'd love to get out my hands on a recipe and brew an all Limerick beer, you know. That would be fantastic. Or an old school Limerick beer. Mm. Yeah, just, I mean, we lean against heritage an awful lot. I mean, our brand, while new and innovative, you know, you can see by the names. We are extremely proud of where we are from. You know, there was no question of me setting a brewery up anywhere else. Um, there was no question of it not being named Treaty City, you know. There was no question of it. All of our names lean against, we have... Um, uh, we have a stout coming early next year, or maybe late this year, and uh, we're calling it Sarsfield Porter. You know, it's it, all of our name. We're very, very Limerick orientated. You know, um, that's not to say we we do very well outside Limerick as well, but you know, it's it's we're very proud of our heritage. You know, so um, we're t- we're trying to take back what that, those macros have taken off us. We're uh, slowly but surely going to eke back uh, uh, that every point of the time. Is there one point of the time maybe? You must be very excited about the future of of the Irish craft brewing industry in Ireland as well as your own brewery. Yes, um, I'll tell you, it's 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 the good side. It's the good, I suppose every entrepreneur will tell you that, right? Uh, it's the good side. No one likes it. Well, maybe some people do look, but sitting down doing the books and going, oh, God, this is what it looks like. But um, yeah, definitely the growth. The growth is is very very strong. Um, now you do have some of the macros that are coming into the market, which uh, with with different elements that we would call uh, faux brands. So um, kind of Marriott, that they were they were craft or independent, and that does threaten our you know our growth. But um, I mean there is a lot of room for expansion. You know there's a lot of room. There's a lot of taps. There's a lot of bottles. But ultimately it's up to I mean the people who are drinking the beer and, and like your listeners. You know. If they go in and they say, "Well, this is a handmade artisan product," I am I'm supporting a local business. Then that's that's kind of where it it kicks off, and then the publican kind of goes, "Well, you know," or the the off license owner will or will will go, "Well, you know what? This is this is what the people are going to buy," and that's it trickles down, you know, um, and that kind of brings jobs into the the locale. You know, it it helps the industry to go uh, to grow, and it's good for everyone, you know. Um, but super excited, and I mean, we're we're. As I said to you, we have a couple of projects that we're working on. Uh, we're doing some barrel age. We're doing a barley wine. Uh, we're calling it um, Siege 1690 and 1691 after two of the sieges of Limerick. And uh, we, we're going to age some beer and some, some red wine barrels that we bought. And 
it's just it's super exciting stuff it's it's really really good you know but um yeah the future is bright which is good food tourism is huge in ireland as well at the moment have you plans for visitors to come to the brewery and see yes. the process and whatnot yes it's definitely a revenue stream that we are looking at um it leans against a lot of things that we can do uh we when we opened the brewery last year um it took about maybe four or five months to get ourselves our legs under us but then we started doing trade tours. So any of our trade partners, any of the off licenses, any of the um, the the, the uh, on trade that we're in, um, come up and we do we do a walk through the the brewery. We give them a full tour and we give them a tasting. Um, that was a preliminary step for us to move towards a a, a commercial a commercial version of that. So you would have twice a week, three times a week, five times a week. Um, we're also we ran some home brew courses um, last uh, last March, just before March, sorry February, and uh, we'll probably be doing something like that again uh, quite soon actually. And then we're going to do some beer appreciation courses where people will be able to taste a range of Irish craft beer. So the the breweries are are, are, are it's a I suppose it, we're all we all know each other. All the brewers know each other. All the brewery owners know each other. So we're going to be kind of setting up uh, I'll bring down like 10 or 12 different Irish craft beers and you'll be able to taste them um, not drink a run of it but just have a taste them inside in the brewery and then do a full tour of the brewery you know um, but it's definitely a revenue steam we're after and uh, we had a big write up in the Chicago Times there recently enough and um, which was brilliant you know and we got like I don't know it's like 500,000 readers but I was surprised at how many phone calls I got with people going you know what we're in we're in Ireland for three days or five days or whatever. We read about you on the Chicago Times. We are mad to come down and see you. So there's definitely a huge market there, you know. It's just a matter of kind of harnessing that and seeing how we can get on, you know. In the meantime, if people would like to have a taste, you're going to be in the Bank of Ireland workbench tomorrow night. That's Wednesday, the 26th yes. of April. It's part of their food series events that they're running and the focus is our growing sector of Irish craft breweries and distilleries. And you're going to be giving a talk as well, I believe. It's going to be a great event tomorrow night. Um, if you guys are after tickets, uh, go log on to our Facebook page. Um, you'll get some detail and stuff there. I'm looking forward to some other brewers there and there's some distillers. So um, I love I love getting together with those guys, having a chat, seeing what's going on. You know what I mean? And um, also industry trade partners. There's going to be a couple of bars, a couple of off licenses there. You know, seeing what's going on. And it's, it's always good to get out and kind of see what's happening in the industry you know what i mean um so yeah it's going to be a great event tomorrow night log on get some tickets and be a good run and it is a free event we must highlight so it's just yes. to go on to register that you're going to be there and susan and judith boyle will be there from kildare leslie williams who's the the food wine restaurant reviewer for the irish examiner is going to be facilitating it so it'll be a great night i think it kicks off around seven o'clock or so but all the details as you say will be on the event bright page there Stephen, great to talk to you this evening all the best for the future and um good luck tomorrow night with your talk i'm sure the the audience will be enthralled with your story thanks very much Sharon. i appreciate taking the time out and uh, hello to all the listeners out there and we'll see you tomorrow night cheers chin chin salut Great to talk to Stephen and there is no mistaking his passion for his craft. Now before we go, details of other events. Tomorrow I'm at IT Lee for the Food for Thought event and at 11.30am you'll find me on stage with Lizzie Lyons from Lizzie's Little Kitchen and Louise Brosnan, chef to party at Ida's in Dingle, a mentor on the Apprentice Chef programme. Our talk is called The Host, that's me, the restaurateur, that's Lizzie and the chef, that's Louise. It's never too late and we'll be talking about our different 
different journeys to pursue our contrasting careers in the food industry. And then tomorrow night, Lizzie is off to the Listowel Arms Hotel to do a fundraising cookery demo in aid of Chernobyl Children Fund. And I think that starts around 7.30 and it costs 10 euros and you'll get your ticket at the door. And finally, this weekend is a long one, thanks to the bank holiday. And that means that Riverfest takes centre stage in Limerick City. A great festival for all the family. And I have a quick synopsis of the event, thanks to Laura Ryan. Hello, Best Possible Taste listeners. My name is Laura Ryan and I'm Head of Communications and Marketing with Limerick City and County Council. While Limerick is definitely the place to be this bank holiday weekend, as Riverfest kicks off on Friday the 28th of April and runs until Monday the 1st of May. This is the 11th year of Riverfest, which showcases and celebrates all that's great about Limerick City, our beautiful River Shannon, our art, our culture, our music and, of course, our food. And speaking of food, the Riverfest Barbecue this Saturday from 12 noon until 5pm as Harvey's Key Boardwalk is definitely one of the weekend's highlights. This is Ireland's largest barbecue cook-off and teams will be competing for the honour of representing Ireland at the European Barbecue Championships, which take place in Limerick for the first time this October. There will be plenty for visitors to sample from the competitors as well as lots of food stalls with everything from American-style corn dogs to Thai curries, German ham sausages and freshly baked bread. Of course, no food lover's visit to Limerick would be complete without a visit to the mouth-watering Limerick Milk Market. To complement the food offering, there'll be plenty of craft and retail stalls and stunning vintage amusements set against the backdrop of the glistening River Shannon at the River Festival Village all weekend in Arthur's Key Park. For more details about the full programme of events, which also includes Fashion Friday, spectacular water sports and a magnificent fireworks display over the Shannon, please visit riverfest.ie and follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We look forward to welcoming visitors from far and wide to Riverfest Limerick this weekend. Limerick Abu. brings us to the end of tonight's show. Thanks for listening and to my guests, Rosemary Bennis, Keith Mahon, Stephen Conine and Laura Ryan. I'll be back next week all being well. Until then, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. 
Bon Appetit.